You're listening to Boss Ladies and Babies with Mickey and Megan, two best friends adventuring through motherhood, building our careers, and and not losing losing our shit. Welcome back to Boss Ladies and Babies. This is Mickey. And this is Megan. Hello, everyone. Here we are. Another week, another episode. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It is the start of the football season. If anybody cares, Megan and I are playing fantasy football against each other this week. Yes. She just kicked my butt tonight, so that's we got that going on. <laughs> that's all win. we need to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> we can go on. Oh, and her husband beat my husband, so we are the cool. superior couple. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a fun tradition that we've been doing together, us and with other couple friends and family members have come and gone, but for like years now, pre-kids, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty fun. And this year we're getting trophies. So Ooh, that'll be exciting. It's going to be exciting, yeah. So our episode this week is... So it's so good. It's a lot of information. It's a huge topic. We're going to be talking all about nutrition, our nutrition, our eating habits that we've developed since we were children to, you know, where we are now. Nutrition for our children, we go over a lot. So get your notebook ready and, you know, make sure you are in a place where you can really listen and take some notes because. This is a good one. But before we do that, let's get into our highs and lows as usual. Do you want to go first this week? Sure. Um, let's. Mine are going to be really dorky, but I'm going with it. <laughs> um, my high is today I <laughs> bought my first pack of Pokemon trading cards to, <laughs> <laughs> to play the Pokemon trading card game. Okay, and these Pokemon cards have been around (laughs) since, like, we were kids, okay? And I, like, whatever you, like, would get them in Happy Meals after a while, like, whatever. If there's cards and people collect them, cool, whatever. Well, my son got um, an actual, like, game set, like, I don't know, I don't even know when. But we pulled it out, like, a couple months ago, and we're like, okay, we're going to actually sit down and, like, try to play this. Let's see how this works. And it was actually so fun, you guys, (laughs) like so dorky but so fun so today or actually yesterday um i played against michael and where it's like you sit at the table and you're playing one-on-one with your kid and there's like math involved and strategy and just to like sit and connect with him like that is so much fun and my husband my husband got into it too of course so today he's like oh (laughs) and mike is really good about like getting me into things that he likes but like genuinely he wants me to like like it but today we were like running some errands he's like so hey before we do that do you want to like stop and see if they like get a pack of pokemon cards and i was like yeah so, <laughs> like wow i'm 33 and now i'm really into playing pokemon trading cards which is super dorky but it's like become a really cute little family activity and god <laughs> knows we need more of those and there's no screens involved so That's, it's like yeah, yeah whole, good wholesome fun so <laughs> that was my high i got to come home and play pokemon cards <laughs> and yeah 
dorky but fun. Um, <laughs> see my low. Um, I tweaked my neck the other day. I feel like it's just like a broken record of old bones and crappy like injuries. <laughs> I don't know. So <laughs> no, it is. I just yeah, I I tweaked my neck, and so I'm like really after like being dealing with my back pain for so long and then now my neck is killing me and I like couldn't move like couldn't move I've just like been so stiff and trying to like sit I'm like I just feel so bad for my husband because he gets home from work and I'm like sorry I'm in so much pain I need you to like carry the load for a while which he's great about but it's just kind of becoming like a okay a sign that maybe I should make some lifestyle changes and start like strengthening my body and treating it more like a temple and mm. less like a Taco Bell. <laughs> so I'm feeling better and better today. I went and I got a massage, which was really weird with masks on, but they were really great about it. Um, you yeah. left it on the whole time when you were in there. Or what? I, I just, yeah. I love text. You're like, I'm going to get a massage masked. Of course, hopefully I don't get the Rona. I was like, okay. <laughs> well, and it was cool because, um, it, we were the only two people in the whole building. Like the, I made the appointment online. I was the first one in the morning. Um, it was just us, and um, my massage therapist lady was super nice. And yeah, I kept, I didn't know what to do, so I just kept my mask on the whole time, facing down and everything. But she mm-hmm. like I totally got used to. So yeah, undress to your comfort level, but leave your mask. <laughs> <on>. <laughs> yeah. Like you're like, just at, completely like, nude, but with your mask. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 2020, keeping it real. Oh, oh gosh. Man. Yeah. What about you? Hopefully, you have some more interesting highs and lows. Than no. I do. no, I just like really had to. Just this is a reach for everything. So <laughs> I guess my high is the whole 30 tomorrow. But when you guys hear this, it will be already passed. But is the halfway point already? Like September is going by super fast, um, and it's going. The whole thirty is going pretty easy. I'm one of the reasons why I really wanted to do it was like I don't really eat that much during the day, and so I've been trying to like get back into eating like three meals and not just having like crackers for lunch or whatever you know and and like five cups of coffee and that's my (laughs) meals for the day so I've been really trying that's like one of the main reasons I wanted to do it and so it's been going pretty good um and I'm about to hit tiger blood which if if you don't know much about the whole 30 tiger blood is like from about day 17 to like day 25 the most amazing energy best feeling of your life amazingness that makes the whole damn thing worth it and I'm just a little worried my low that it's gonna be robbed from me again like my January whole 30 I was completely robbed of my tiger blood because I got probably coronavirus like I was so sick starting on it was like day 19 so I had like two days of tiger blood and then it was like robbed so I've been look really extra looking forward to this. And the smoke is just like, just awful. Let me just say, like, I'm very, very thankful that my family's safe and that we have our home and we're not affected by the fires in that way. Just the smoke is really taking a toll on my health, though. 
even here. And I, I have asthma and it's not really ever that much of a problem, but I've been like having to use my inhaler and I've just have a headache and I just feel just really ill. I know I, I mean, I don't think I'm getting sick. Like I'm pretty sure it's from the smoke, but I'm just really worried that it's going to rob me of my tiger blood again. And it's just making me feel depressed and just like, it's harder to like keep up with eating my, you know, meals because I just like, everything sucks. We haven't left the house in literally days. Like my poor dog was just like longingly staring out the window earlier today. (laughs) He doesn't understand what's going on. Nora doesn't understand what's going on. Like it's just so hard because the air quality is so dangerous here. And I can't even imagine like it being any worse. And for the people who are dealing with it, I mean, I feel silly even complaining about my little like sense of tragedy over here. It's nothing in compared to them, but it still is just kind of my low for the week. So just trying not to be depressed. I've been using my, like my vitamin D lamp a lot and just like trying to pretend like it's just bad weather. But if it was, we could still at least go outside. Like I just feel like really trapped and I'm hoping that it doesn't totally mess up my whole 30s. <laughs> yeah. 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 Depressing. It's just depressing. 2020 is depressing. I'm over this whole year. We all are. Yeah. Yeah. I can't believe that it's halfway through September like now we're in the like the end stretch of the year yeah when we thought that it was going to be like maybe like a few weeks thing like back in March like we missed an entire season already yeah yeah and this is usually like my favorite time of the year but it's like sad moving into another season like it's not like exciting fall it's just kind of like oh there goes another season, like literally summer is over and we've barely left our house or seen our family or seen any of our friends. Like yeah. I haven't seen you, Mickey, since January. Yeah. Like yeah. it's yeah. going to be a whole year before we even see each other probably, you know? Yeah. And so it's just like with the season changing, it's just another reminder that like, wow, time is going by. Uh, our lives are not this episode took a dark turn sorry (laughs) that's how we're feeling it's okay (laughs) we can't be the only ones no yeah so just yeah and like the smoke is just like this looming doom of like a reminder of like the literal hell we're all in (laughs) yeah yeah right (laughs) yeah I mean it is hard because we've been trapped pretty much at home but at least we could go outside and then now that's taken away too and it's just yeah yeah, just more piled on top of more it's just too 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 much but yep at least we have football that's kind of normal that feels normal yeah so yeah anyway (laughs) well we should go ahead and get into our episode and talk about some nutrition Yes. Was... <laughs> I'm not crying the smoke. <laughs> the smoke, you guys. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh man. Oh. <laughs> yes, I agree. Let's transition out of our doom and gloom and talk about something that is really, really important and just something that's on the front of our minds all the time. 
probably when we're, you know, home so much too, we're thinking a lot more about what are we going to have for dinner? What are, you know, we putting into our bodies, trying to keep our immune systems up. So our guest for this episode is a passionate mama nutritionist and nature food advocate who truly walks her talk. She holds a Master of Science in Nutrition in Integrative Health and a Post-Master's Board Certification as a Certified Nutrition Specialist. She helps moms discover the roots to their sneaky stress symptoms, as well as uncover the disconnect from their physical bodies. She believes in personal transformation as the foundation of healing the body with food. From founding and forming early childhood nutrition education curriculum to being a key nutrition advisor for the comprehensive baby-led weaning company, Solid Starts, to being an endocannabinoid educator and hemp advocate, she is a wealth of knowledge, and we are so, so lucky to pick her brain on the show. Please welcome Jamie Troopy. Welcome to the show, Jamie. Thank you so much for joining us. We're so excited to talk to you this week about all things nutrition. Yeah, but before we get started on that, um, why don't you go ahead and tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Um, Who are you? What you do? What makes you a boss lady? Tell us everything. All right. Well, thank you, first of all, for having me. I'm so happy to be here. I love talking with other moms and learning how much we all have in common. Sometimes we can feel like we're the only ones going through stuff. Um, So I appreciate what you both are doing and I love being on this podcast with you. So thank you. Um, As Mickey and Megan said, I am a mom as well and a nutritionist mom, which makes um, life very interesting because of course, many people think and talk about food for, you know, three meals a day plus multiple snacks. And I talk about food 24 seven certainly in my sleep. So um, essentially, I actually became a nutritionist only a few years ago. I had a later life shift and I spent my early years gallivanting around the world trying to find myself. You know, don't we all do a bit of that? Um, And every single pathway brought me back to how food impacts the earth and our bodies and our minds and our relationships and our culture. And it just seemed like this this centripetal force, if there is such a thing anymore, um, that brings everyone together and that helps us address so many of the things in the in life that make us wonder and ask questions from politics to um, spirituality and everything in between. So food just seemed super natural for me after um, 10 years in the fine art world. I have a degree in permaculture. My first degree is in English, actually. So I'm also a writer. And, um, I've even led bike tours in Switzerland. I mean, which was super fun. So I I eventually started studying nutrition, um, after studying yoga for a few years. And when my sister got sick, she was diagnosed with a really rare and aggressive cancer. And I was already in grad school taking all the sciences that I avoided, like the plague in my first (laughs) go around. And I was trying to understand what her doctors were doing with chemo when the body's designed to heal itself. And there seemed to be this huge dichotomy between Western medicine and other modalities. And so I knew functional nutrition was my path. I ended up on that route um, many years later, finished my degree, um, popped out a couple kids in the meantime, and moved to Idaho during all that, which is where I live now. I'm in 
near the mountain town of Sun Valley, Idaho, if anyone is a skier. But um, like you ladies, I spent some formative years in Washington and high school and middle school and college. And so um, I'm right next door. But yeah, I'm recently divorced from a partner of 16 years. We're doing our best to remain friends. But in the meantime, I get to spend a lot of time working on my business and becoming this boss lady, right? I mean, this is another education. This is not what I learned in grad school. So you get out of school and you have this wealth of knowledge and passion and you're like, oh my God, what am I going to do? And so I enrolled in more schooling. You know how that works, right? I need to know more and do more. (laughs) And we forget that we actually know so much. And through my work in my community, um, I started to realize that we go back to the simple things in food that are super lost. I talked about you know, politics and the environment and our bodies and our minds and we, everything gets jumbled up and we forget about the essence of why food exists in our universe. And that's to nourish our bodies and to nourish the land. And it's so cyclical. And I thought, wow, do we have to make everything so complex? And yet I love research, but can't we just reteach ourselves how to tune in to the seasons and maybe get our hands in the dirt and maybe um, not be super concerned about pickiness because we're showing our kids where the farmers live and we're scooping food into our lives again. And we've lost that, right? Food is a chore for so many. So anyway, lots of my life is driven by um, this mission to just rediscover and reconnect through whole foods and and earth foods. I'm a total earth mama. So that's kind of how I ended up where I am now. Um, Nutrition in Idaho is interesting because we're a freedom health state, which means anyone and their dog could call themselves a nutritionist without any experience. Oh, wow. So, yeah. And it's also a gray area in the greater country. So um, dietitians are the gold standard in Western medicine, whereas um, there's nutrition in so many different levels in alternative or I call myself a functional nutritionist because in grad school, we partnered with a functional, the Institute for Functional Medicine. But um, what does that all mean, right? Like we're just talking about food, but we could go the science route. We could go the soil route. We could go the body route. There's so many things Mm -hmm. in food that, um, that light me up. And so one of the challenges of being a boss lady is what am I going to do? What's my niche? What's my, who's my market? Who's my audience? What's my thing? And in food, because, um, as our own, you know, business owners, we could wear, we already wear a lot of hats. So, you know, we get to pare down and figure out like what, what's our goal on earth and what's, I don't have more than what, maybe 40 or 50 years left. So I have a lot of work to do. And, um, yeah, I'm here yeah. now because, um, yeah, because I, I just, we have to eat every day. It might as well be enjoyable. Well, and it's such a huge, huge topic. There's so mm-hmm. many different ways you can go, like you were saying, and you obviously are so passionate about it that, you know, it's like, how do I choose? How do I choose what my niche is? And I love your passion. And, you know, all of us think and talk about food so much. Most of our listeners are mamas and you know that's one of our biggest tasks as mothers is feeding ourselves which falls to the back burner a lot of times feeding our families and I just feel like constantly thinking about 
food, but maybe not in the same exciting, passionate way that you are. So that's why we're so excited to have you on this episode. And little sidebar, you're probably like one of the coolest people I've ever talked to. Just like (laughs) your brief little synopsis of like everything you've done. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're way too cool. Um, You're so funny. Starstruck, but we're super excited. So we're going to dig in with you about why it's important for busy moms to prioritize whole food and meal planning and some simple tips for doing so when we don't have much time. And we're just going to kind of touch on a whole realm of different food questions that a lot of us might be dealing with. So let's kick it off. The first thing we want to touch on is why are whole foods so important for our little people and, you know, whole foods. We hear about them all the time. So let's kind of dig in on this topic. Okay, great. Um, First of all, when I ask people, what is a whole food? There's often a pause because we don't actually define that enough. We have lost touch with what they are. So essentially it's a food with one ingredient. Can you think of an example? I like eggs. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And then there's the question of what about olive oil, because that's not an olive, right? So we have this vast array of whole foods, which is a single ingredient food. Olive oil is a refined version of an olive, but it's hopefully doesn't have other ingredients in it. So it's one ingredient. Um, But essentially, why are they important? Because they are where all of our nutrients reside. They are ever more important now because so much of our food is raised on nutrition, nutrient depleted soil. And so we're not getting as many nutrients in our soil. Therefore, we're not getting as many nutrients in our whole foods as we used to in our ancestry, right? Even a couple generations ago. So if we eat more foods that are not whole foods, and you could kind of say a not whole food is synonymous with a refined or processed food, which would be crackers, or pastas or bagels. It doesn't always have to be um, carbohydrate like that, but it can be even the Annie's fruit snacks or you know anything that comes in a box or a package is not a whole food, unless you go to Trader Joe's and they're still using their packages. But what I'm saying is it's got more than one ingredient and it's been modified or altered in some way. It doesn't necessarily mean that's, you know we're not gonna put the bad and good label on it, but the point is that whole foods are the most nutrient dense foods. Even whole foods that don't have a lot of nutrients in them probably have more than the packaged food. Now, that gets complicated by the fact that lots of packaged foods have vitamins and minerals added to them Mm -hmm. because that's what the FDA does. They decide where are we nutrient deficient and how can we avoid that. So there's also some comfort in being like, I don't wanna cook a whole foods meal. Should I feel bad about that? No, because we need to find a balance. But if we're focusing our many of our efforts and don't, you know, we don't want to go crazy. But if we focus a lot of our efforts on whole foods, we become familiar with them. They become part of our lives. They're incredible, especially for young children. They're incredibly tactile. They're stimulating to our senses. And we have lost, we adults have lost our ability to be stimulated by visual, you know, this beautiful carrot out of the garden or, you know, we're like, oh, I better go wash that before I eat it. But what what's really interesting is children would play with the carrot all day long and not even 
maybe even think about eating it until we say you could eat that, mm -hmm. right? So it, it can be um, the sensory part of our environment as well as a sensory part for our body. And when we continue to develop that relationship on the outside, as well as putting those foods inside, all of a sudden we're completing the cycle that is probably one of the more natural cycles on earth, right? Mm -hmm. Eat food, process food, eliminate food that goes back into the earth, hopefully. And then we grow food on that again, once it composts and, and all that. So it's the natural way of things. Um, for children, it also, I know a lot of moms are like, yeah, right. But how do we feed just carrots to our picky kids? Um, we find many different ways and we'll get into some of that later, I'm sure. But um, when these foods are around, it could be a peach. It could be, let's see, what's in season right now? Um, radishes. Not everyone likes radishes. It doesn't mean you have to enjoy everything, but presenting them and playing with them and marveling about them incites this curiosity and it helps offset picky eating, which is a huge phenomenon right now, right? Mm -hmm. do, do you ladies have picky kids? I am a picky kid. Oh, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. yeah. So it sets our habits for life is basically what I'm saying. And then um, I used to say something to the effect of, because all the research shows, that the most important time in your life to eat the highest quality food is when you're a baby and when you're an older person. And there's lots of reasons for that I won't get into. But then the more and more I work with clients, young children, adolescents, early 20s who have now medical conditions on and on until some my oldest clients are in their eighties. And I think every time in life is a time to focus on quality foods. And by that I could mean just whole foods, right? So, so many people don't incorporate them into their day. And, um, sometimes we don't have access to them seasonally, but it can become a really joyful experience if we don't, if we're not afraid of it. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And that, you know, kind of leads us into talking about, you know, setting up these healthy values for our children. So, you know, the way that you just laid out Whole Foods and how they work, it seems like, you know, to they're not just going to learn that. They're not just going to pick the that up on their own. We have to set these values for them. Yes. Yeah. So how do we get started on establishing those healthy values when it comes to food? Well, I'm glad you are using the word value because I don't really think we value food in a very positive way. And we've just been experiencing during COVID the fear of not having food. Mm -hmm. And then we've moved back into our old ways. All of a sudden, we're going to the grocery store more. There's more food on the shelves. Now we're at peak food season. But our food values are going to shift again when COVID comes back again during flu season in a couple weeks or a couple months. Um, but Or if, but it's probably when. And so we're going to be like, then it's going to be about food scarcity and all these things. But if we decide what our food values are, food values are not taught right? You don't go to school and learn about food values. You go to school and eat cafeteria food or you um, pack your lunches, but you're not, you know, your PE or whatever classes you're taking, we're not talking about the value of food more and more now um, in more and more places. But food values are also not taught to moms. Mm -hmm. So we learn about sleep training. We learn about potty training. 
Then they go off to preschool and they have food from all these different people, maybe grandma and grandpa. Then they're on play dates. They're having food in all these places. And we have no control or, well, we do have some control, but we don't really know what they're eating all the time. Right. Um, and so when we come back to our home, if we have our food values, it just helps give our children a, a, a deeper connection and foundation. But some food values could be my value is we eat dinner every night at, at the table together. That could be a value. It doesn't have to be that whole foods are your value, right? Mm -hmm. You get to decide what values are in your own home. I actually work with families on this because it's not something we talk about very often. So my food value is that I cook a lot of meals. Like we just don't go out to eat because I don't love a lot of the food we have in our valley. I do miss a lot of city food, I have to say. <laughs> but um, our food is. Um, not the standard that I would put in my body. So I love traveling because I get to experience that. But um, that's my value, right? It's food from the earth value. So we get to decide what it is. It's not right or wrong. It's just establishing something. Maybe your food value is we're going to plant a garden or, or pots of herbs. We're just going to see how food grows. Maybe it's an experiment versus, um, you know, the family meals, depending on what your family looks like. So um, and then you mentioned something a second ago, Megan, about how whole foods work. And one of the other things I didn't talk about was when you're eating whole foods, you're getting so much more out of the food itself than you're getting from the fortified foods. So we don't just need vitamins and minerals. We need all the plant components. We cannot just take a multivitamin and eat whatever we want during the day and believe that we're getting everything our body actually needs. So when we establish these values with some version, ideally we've got some healthy foods in there and even that definition is different from person to person. Um, then we get to just enjoy it more. We talk about it more. It doesn't become so burdensome, although it will for sure as moms. Mm -hmm. And um, it becomes a topic of conversation rather than just a thing we have to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that a lot. And you talk about healthy foods and, you know, in everybody's eyes, those are going to be different. I, I get so hung up on this because my husband and I, you know, ever since we started dating, we both try to eat really, really clean. Like for the most part, we kind of live on like a little bit of a modified paleo diet and we like to do whole thirties every, you know, two times a year or so just to kind of like reset ourselves and remind ourselves who's in control. And we're actually in the middle of a whole 30 right now. And then our daughter came into the picture and it's kind of like, well, we want her to eat pretty paleo too, because that's how we eat. But we also want her to experience like some of these kid foods and we don't want her to go crazy, you know, when she's around this food that she doesn't get at home. But we're also so hung up on, I don't want her to think like this is good food and this is bad food to set up, you know, some kind of stigma or, and it just seems like it could be so easy for unhealthy eating habits of us, even though we try to stay healthy, like, I feel like our obsession with it can sometimes be unhealthy. It's hard to worry about passing that down to the children and how to establish, you know, health, like an overall, like population picture of healthy to our kids without being too extreme, if that makes sense. It, it makes absolute perfect sense. And you touched on so many things. Like I, I know earlier, <laughs> we can go to so many tangents here. Yeah. 
Um, but I think your question is how do we find the balance between letting our kids enjoy like the kid foods without demonizing them or making them feel guilty or making yourself feel guilty while that might not be our preferred food at home. So, um, and that's, I think that's a really big mom struggle because, Mm -hmm. and especially with younger kids, but even as they get older and they're again, between, you know, going to birthday parties that where they're serving a cake that's pre-made at some place that you might not normally feed, you know, that child's that cake or, um, cake plus a juice plus candy plus all these things. And you're like, Oh my gosh, it's Halloween in the middle of you know, mm-hmm. July. And, um, so what, what we do is we model, we lead by example, your children will see what you're doing. That's where that food value comes in. So Megan, you just said you value a paleo type diet. You didn't say it in those words, but you described it mm-hmm. and you described why that's important to you. So that would be one way of saying what your food values are. When you raise your children in that environment and you are scooping your daughter up at your table, feeding her the same foods, maybe in modified versions for her eating ability, right? Or And then um, maybe you're not forcing the preference um, if she's not preferring something that you eat, but she's seeing it and eventually they'll come around. Mm-hmm. And some people will say, no, they won't. I promise you they will not come around. My kid is that picky. And guess what? They will. But um, we have to have patience. This is so hard. This is a really complex topic because mm-hmm. it's really so specific from family to family. Um, but when we're at a birthday party, let's take that example, mm-hmm. and our child is offered something that we don't want them to eat at our house, first of all, we don't want to make the host feel bad if we say you cannot have that food, mm-hmm. especially in front of them. We don't want to make our children feel left out. And we don't want anyone to think that that cake is not good, a good food. It's a bad food, right? That's not helpful. Let's just think about helpful. And I always like to go, what's the teaching moment in this? It's hard to wrap our head around that because, again, Mm -hmm. we're not taught about food. The teaching moment is just what you said. We're finding balance. An example, that happened to me. It's going to happen to all of us. And there's a cake with lots of food dye on the frosting. And I was like, oh, Lord. And in my mind, I'm going, I just don't want to have to even, I just don't even want my kids to ask me about it because I'm not prepared to answer yes or no. Mm-hmm. Um, in my heart, I did not want my son to eat this cake. But in a social setting, I was like, of course, my son will be eating this cake. Mm-hmm. So there's that inner balance turmoil. Um, of course, I let him have the cake. And he, and he asked me, he looked at me with those eyes. He was like, mom, can I have this? He had never seen anything like it. I let him have it. He took a couple of bites. And I said, of course, yeah, that's the birthday cake. We're celebrating your friend. So it became a celebration, right? Why are we eating cake? We're celebrating his friend's birthday. Mm-hmm. We're, we're celebrating with cake. That's the custom. So yes, we're celebrating your friend. Of course you can have the cake. Something like that. Mm-hmm. And then. Um, he had like three bites and he ran off and played with his friends and never even came back to it. Mm. Later on, it happened again. And he was like, mom, this cake doesn't even taste good. And he came over and like whispered that in my ear. <laughs> I'm like, that's okay, honey. You don't have to eat it if you don't like it. And that's the same thing I say at home. If I cook a meal that my kids don't like, I'll say, well, you know, it's okay. Have a few bites. Cause I always cook something that I know they're going to like. Mm-hmm. And then 
maybe something that I'm like, oh my God, are they actually going to eat this? I don't know. So we're trying to use the same language that we would use in our own home. See how complex this is, right? Because we're like, what language do I use at home? How do I do that? You know, we're thinking a lot. But basically, if your intention is to model good behaviors at home, or at least your values, let me say, if if your intention is to model your values at home, we can model those same values when we're out. Mm -hmm. We want to feel good around food. If a child is feeling like, my mom's going to be pissed if I eat this cake, (laughs) what are we doing? That's an emotional attachment to food, right? Mm -hmm. That's the beginning of a lifelong emotional challenge with food. And I don't know about you ladies, but I'm a woman and I think about emotions and food a lot, or I don't think about them until later. And I'm like, well, shoot, I have an emotional (laughs) attachment to that thing right now. So it's a, it's a big conversation and it's a big topic, but have some, you know, grace for yourselves. We're never we're not always going to do it right. You know, it's not perfect, but the best thing about food is you get to do it again and Mm -hmm. again and again and again. We're eating all the time. So just noticing, start by noticing. How did I say that? Did I like how I said that? Did I offend anyone? Did I feel good? How did my child feel? Did he feel good or she feel good? Um, Just kind of see if it was pleasurable. You probably did a pretty good job. If there was angst and anxiety, think about why and then reframe next time. Yeah. I like that so much because I get worried a lot of times that I'm so focused on, I want her to have only the healthiest food that she is going to grow up and be like, oh, my mom's going to be pissed if I eat this cake. I don't want her because I kind of have that association with like, oh, it's a bad food. If I eat this, it's so bad. And now I'm guilty about it because I try to eat so healthy all the time. And I think I've actually created that upon myself as I've, you know, formed my values as an adult. And so what you said, I like really, really appreciate that. That's going to help me so much because an unhealthy eating habit is an unhealthy eating habit, no matter which side of the spectrum it's on. And I don't, you know, I'm sure none of us want our kids to grow up having those and not pass them on to our children. (laughs) Well, and what's interesting too, is we're talking about healthy. So right there, we're putting a label on something that is Mm -hmm. already going to send us down that path. And I'm totally go, I'm a nutritionist. Like, of course I'm talking about healthy food. But we in America, there was this beautiful study about like, what is up with Americans and health food? And it uncovered all of this really interesting emotional attachment to food, but most of it's because we eat food for health reasons. Mm-hmm. Whereas in all these different countries around the world, like all of them, they're eating food for pleasure or they're eating food because it's all they have available. They eat whatever they can, depending on where, where we are. Um, and it's usually cultural and it's, again, it's celebratory, it's customary, it's all these things, it's affordable, it's all they can find. But we eat food for health reasons. And so we obsess over it so much that we're completely detached from enjoying our food. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to guarantee you that most kids who eat whole foods and can taste a food the way in its original form are going to find that other foods are too bland, too salty, too sugary, too this, too that anyway, because we're developing their palate to eat the foods that our bodies actually need to thrive. And so they get to vet for themselves over time. It doesn't happen overnight, but over time your kids will be like, 
they'll eat tons of candy and you're like, oh my God, but it doesn't mean you have to go continue to buy candy, mm -hmm. right? It doesn't have to be in your home or it can be in small amounts or sometimes for celebratory reasons. I have a real problem with Halloween, you guys, and 4th of July <laughs> parades. I was so pumped not to have a 4th yeah. of July parade this year for the candy component, but I'm working on that. Like I have my stuff too, <laughs> right? Obviously, so. This is, this is a lot. <laughs> I'm like, I, it's, but like, for me personally, I didn't grow up with good food habits. As an adult, I struggle. I'm, like I mentioned earlier, I've always been a picky eater. And I feel like as a kid, no one really pushed me out of that either. It just became a thing. Oh, she's a picky eater. Just, you know, pick whatever you're going to eat and eat it. And everyone kind of went along with it. So as an adult, I haven't really grown out of it much, except I will say my husband has done a really good job about pushing me to try things, which is really funny that from my 20s to 30s has been my big like food revolution time where I actually eat some vegetables now. But um, I just have not connected and developed those like healthy food values. And so I'm really it's hard to have to start with myself before I can then go on and instill those into my children. Do you have any like do's and don'ts for helping build those values and those connections? First of all, do be kind to yourself during this process because mm -hmm. you did mention that you said something about personally food XYZ fill in the blank. So food is incredibly personal so take everything I'm saying with a grain of salt, right? I am not telling anyone how they should or shouldn't be. Um, because food is so personal, and like you said, Mickey, you, have, you get to. Think of it as an opportunity, right? This is, my, this is what I get to get curious about, just like I can help my children get curious about it. What do I want to know about food? So start with mm -hmm. yourself. Do I want to try vegetables? Am I actually grossed out by them? Or have I just never been exposed to them? So ask yourselves the, yourself the question. You, you just made it clear to me in a few sentences that your parents labeled you as picky and fostered pickiness. Mm -hmm. Not their fault. It, nobody knew, like literally nobody knew better back then. Mm -hmm. So I would like to share with you that I was an incredibly picky eater as a child. Yeah. You would not recognize <laughs> my my childhood food from my adult food. Mm. But what I what I cling on to is the special moments with food. The making my mama troopy's spaghetti sauce in the kitchen, right? It I it was eventually when we moved up um well, you all know where Lake Stevens is probably. When we moved up there, my parents had a, a little mini farm and I was like, "Okay, child labor, right?" But actually, we were out there hoarding raspberries you know? Mm -hmm. And so I thank you. Thank you, father and mother for moving us out there because I got to see food in a different way. I also grew up part-time on a Idaho backcountry ranch mm -hmm. where we were literally eating out of the forest. And we're like, well, I hope we don't die eating this. And we would just, yeah. <laughs> we would eat it because we would like dare each other. Well, you eat the dandelion. No, you eat the dandelion, you know? And so that's just part of how I grew up. But I still didn't eat chocolate or peanut butter or corn or, I mean, the list was so long. And once I started to tune into my body and noticing what my body didn't feel, how I felt when I ate certain things, and this was in my mid 
to late twenties. Okay. I was like, Oh, that actually doesn't make me feel good. I don't, I can't even eat that. Like it wasn't even about food quality. Was it a whole food? Was it a healthy food? It was just noticing. Mm -hmm. What do I even like? What does my body like? How does this help my mind? How does this help my brain? Does it help my brain? Um, so noticing for yourself, Mickey, like what, what do you want to know about food? What are you, what have you been interested in? What do you like? And then go that way. Like, I like Asian food. I'm going to go learn how to make some Asian foods. Like, what is lemongrass? How do I cook with lemongrass? Start with one thing. And then your kids are going to see that. Yeah. And you get to say, hey, guys, so mom's interested in lemongrass or whatever it is. And here's what it is. And play with it and choose, you know, have a moment saying, I'm going to experiment with this. I have no idea how it's going to go. That is food curiosity. Mm -hmm. I like that. I like that you said the playing with it. And you've said that a couple of times so far, because I am so desperate for my children to not grow up to be me. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I really am trying. And they are significantly better eaters than I ever was. But um, I got, I went online and I bought this like um, cookbook, which I thought was more of a cookbook on how to get your kids interested in liking vegetables. But a lot of it was actual physical activities to have them playing with these foods to get used Yay. to them and comfortable before you even talk about eating them. And I was like, I never in my life would have just given them some broccoli to play with. I wouldn't have thought of it. But if you, I mean, when you really stop and think about it, that totally makes sense and just getting comfortable with them. And um, I really like that, that you brought that awesome. up. Awesome. Okay. So you made me think of a do and don't. Can I put that in right now? Okay. <laughs> oh, please. So do get rid of all plastic food toys mm. oh. because think about refined foods. They're in tactless boxes mm -hmm. and they don't have, some of them have texture and everything, but often they're kind of bland-ish unless mm -hmm. they're salty or sweet, right? But when we give our children plastic food toys, what are we teaching them about food? That it's not a real thing mm -hmm. to be explored. Um, now my children do have some wooden toys, but we're mixing, it, mixing it up. So if you're like, Oh, I just really love how my daughter plays with the toys. Great. Keep the plastic toys. If you, if you already own them and you're like, whatever, Jamie, I don't want to do that. Fine. But incorporate the kitchen toys, um, or not the kitchen toys, the actual, well, I could say kitchen toys, um, yeah. incorporate real food, hand your child a real whatever the plastic thing is, a strawberry, maybe not on white carpet, but let them play with this food and show them the difference between a real food and a non-real food. Um, many kitchens are great. Give them real tools, mm. not real knives, obviously, but <laughs> make them look and feel as much like kitchen tools as they actually do. So my mother-in-law used to come over and say, and my, my kids would be pulling out everything out of all my kitchen cabinets. We never had child locks on anything in the house. And the, my son, for example, would pull out all the Tupperware out of this one drawer and he'd stack it and he'd put stuff in and he'd unstack it. And then he'd move on to the next cabinet and he'd pull out all the pots and pans. I mean, you only have to drop one on yourself once to learn not to do it again, right? Mm -hmm within reason. And so then he's playing with pots and pans and he's putting stuff in it. And all of a sudden I'm looking for whatever I was doing. And it's now in the pot and pan, the salad spinner, let them spin salad. Children can start helping in the kitchen at like 18 months mm -hmm. with something. 
tear the lettuce in half. Like we don't need to chop lettuce. Let our kids tear the leaves. Right. Yeah. Um, Love that. And we forget cause we're like frazzled and it's mealtime and all these things, but let them play in the kitchen, your kitchen, let them have their play kitchen too. Cause it's their size. And then they become familiar with things, their size. And then as they grow, we, um, we grow in with them. Like we grow, they grow into the things they can do, but do let them play in the kitchen. Do let them play with real things that are safe when you're around. Right. And, um, it's okay if they're under your feet, as long as you don't have hot pots and hot, you know, dangerous things. Right. That's where we get to be discernful, discernful, a better word. Um, we get to decide what's safe or not, but food is safe. And, and when they put it in their mouths, they're learning about it. They're learning about texture and flavor. And yeah. so those are kind of two hints that I find really pivotal in children who are picky versus not picky. That's interesting. Okay, yeah, we want to talk a lot to you about how to not raise picky eaters. And I, that's, I would have never thought of any of that. I love all of that so much. I just have kind of been doing some of those things with my daughter already. Like, she's two now, so I've been letting her, like, help me meal prep. And just, I haven't let her play with fruits and vegetables or anything but I think she would love it. Um, but I'm really worried about her becoming a picky eater because she's at that age. And I'm so determined to not let that happen. So I've started, you know, trying to give her on her plate things that I know she likes and then a couple things that she might not like. But I always ask her to just try it. And I've been telling her, it's okay if you don't like it. Thank you for trying it. But I keep giving it to her. And even just, she was, we had, beef stew and she asked for more celery which celery was not a food that she would eat a couple months ago and I was so happy I was like oh you want more celery okay that's so good it's so yummy isn't it and so it's been fun to see that working but that's this week and you know she's kind of at this age where you know it's soon gonna be I only want to eat crackers and macaroni and cheese or whatever which I try not to give her but sometimes she does get things like that so thoughts on not raising picky eaters and specifically your thoughts on forcing kids to eat foods that they don't like. That's probably how we all grew up, right? Which is why we were picky eaters because our parents made us eat something we didn't like. Um, I remember many times sitting at the table, literally staring at the meal I wouldn't eat because I didn't like it. And I'd sit there for hours. Um, and my parents are very nice by the way, but yeah, forcing. I'm going to come back to that. That's okay. really important. How not to raise picky eaters. You have definitely already set the stage for um, serving food that you're eating. And one thing I would say is instead of saying, if you don't like it, you don't have to eat it. Rather, try it. If you like it, you can have more. Ooh. You see that little shift between, especially if we're nervous, that's telling our child that they're probably not going to like celery, mm -hmm. right? My, my son was eating raw mushrooms at 18 months. Now he like, the joke is when we have mushrooms for dinner, cause he hates them. Well, he'll like them again. I didn't like mushrooms when I was a kid. Yeah. Right? I love them now. But, um, so we need to just be sensitive to 
their preferences by cultivating them to know what those preferences are. This goes back to what we were talking about a minute ago. How does your body feel when you eat food? Well, kids are so much more tuned in. Mm. But if we're not giving them a wide range of things to try, they're never going to want anything. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if we're serving them um, strawberries and sweet potato and avocado, period, while we're eating the beef stew, what are we teaching them? That's a kid meal and this is an adult meal, right? Go back to that teaching moment. Mm -hmm. um, if we're feeding them something from the stew, like you're pulling out the carrots and you're pulling out the celery and you're pulling out pieces of beef and your child is seeing them on her plate and experimenting and she's seeing you eat them and you're taking them right from your bowl to feed her, what are you teaching? Right? You're teaching them that this is what we eat and if she wants more carrots, give her more carrots. And if, if, she's try, if she hasn't tried something or she spits out the celery, it's great that she liked it. Um, you can say, oh, talk about it. Oh, is that a funny texture? Oh, and, and your child's too, so she's not going to have all the words yet. But older children, oh, mom, I hate this food, like my eight-year-old. Mom, this is the worst meal ever. I'm like, oh, what don't you like about it? I don't know. It doesn't smell good. I'm like, oh, you haven't had a bite yet. Well, you've made this before. I'm like, but I made it differently this time. And it's been a while. Oh, and you'll like get so mad and I'll sit there. I'm like, well, let's not be mad at the table because that makes mommy feel sad because I just spent all this time making dinner. Uh, and my daughter will be noticed and she'll be like, well, I'll try it, mom. I'm like, okay, great. Thank you for trying the meal. And she'll eat it. And then her brother will be like, fine, I'll try some bites. Next thing I know, my son's eating the whole bowl <laughs> and my daughter's like, I don't like it. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So, right. So this is totally um, normal. And so for my daughter, here we're going to the forcing. For my daughter, I'll say, you know, well, it doesn't look like you ate very much. Well, mom, I just don't like the this or that. Like, well, what do you like in it? Because I know you like carrots and celery. I'm just talking about your beefs too. And I know you like ground beef. Oh, I don't know. It's the spices, mom. Oh, is it too spicy? Yeah, it's spicy. Okay. Well, would you like me to put some yogurt or some cheese on it to mellow out the spices. Again, see, I'm talking about the food itself, mm -hmm. the look, the texture, the smell, the taste. Um, I'm asking them to think about what they like and don't like rather than too bad. You have to eat it. And really I do say that like, well, that's what that's dinner mm -hmm. and I don't have anything else prepared. So if your tummy still has a hole in it, I suggest eating a few more bites and we'll try to mellow out the, the flavor. And she might be like, well, I just want the yogurt mom. And it's like, all right, well, let's have one bite with yogurt and the beef stew that's spicy and see if that helps. Sometimes she'll be like, okay, that's fine. And she'll go for it. And other times I just want the yogurt mom. Okay, fine. That's, you can have some more bites of yogurt. You see where I'm going with this? Mm -hmm. I'm not telling her that her choice is wrong. I'm trying to understand her and ask her to think about it because sometimes we get picky because like Mickey said, we're labeled as picky. She's the picky eater right? Mm -hmm. It's so hard, right? It's so heady, isn't it? All this stuff, all these thoughts mm -hmm. and decisions. And what do I say? And what do I not say? But if we go back to this, the basics of what, what do I, what's my teaching moment? My food values are that I want my child to be curious about eating a wide range of food. Maybe that's your food value. Let's just say, um, especially in relationship to picky eating. Then the teaching moment is how do I help my child um, not close off the door to food, which is what picky eating is. The refusal, sometimes it's for attention or behavioral stuff, for sure. 
Um, but not, not demonizing the behavior, not demonizing the food, but rather being curious about food. And then our children become curious. So Megan, what you're doing with feeding your, your daughter, what you guys are eating is awesome. And then try it different the next time. Oh, I should love that beef stew. Let's try it a little bit differently. Let's put a different vegetable in or a different spice, or maybe it wasn't spicy. Maybe you start to add the spices at two years old. You can add spices mm-hmm. and you can do it at one, depending on your family and your child. Um, and the type of spice, right? Like start slow, but then they're tasting something a little bit different every time. Remember you liked that food. And then the flip side, wait, you guys are going to be annoyed when I say this. The flip side is when they eat a food that you're like, they're never going to eat that food. And all of a sudden they're eating it. Or the first time they've eaten it, you've served it 17 times. And they're like, I'm not eating that food. And all of a sudden they eat it and they like it. The flip side is don't be a cheerleader. Mm-hmm. It can be like, oh my gosh, that's so amazing that you're eating that food. Okay, that's great. That's they're they're seeing your approval. And then be like, what do you like about it this time that's different from last time? Do you like the way I cook it like that? Okay, cool. I'll cook it like that again. Versus, mm-hmm. yay, jumping up and down. My child ate this food because then they're like, oh, mom approval. I should do that again. Now you're putting your emotions on their eating. Mm-hmm. Right? I yeah. know. I'm telling you, this gets heady. But it, um, if we just c- circle back to talking about the food itself, not food preferences or behaviors, that's where we start to cultivate um, our, a relationship with food, right? A legitimate relationship. We can talk about it. I we love having like it. open conversation about it because sometimes if they're just being a difficult toddler and they're just like, I don't like that. And and then you're just so tired and defeated from the day. You're just like, fine, okay, here's something else, you know. But to really, if they're just being stubborn and you ask them, well, why don't you like it? What don't you like about it? That really makes them think and maybe they'll change their tune. That's And I- they may not know, so you have to remind them, oh, do you remember you ate carrots, cooked carrots yesterday in this meal or at school? Or bring up a scenario where you remember they ate that thing that they say they don't like. And, and they'll be like, oh, yeah, because they're not always associating. Mm-hmm. They may not know that a raw carrot and a cooked carrot are the same food yet. We have to teach them. We get to teach them. So, um, yeah, it's it, – I, I don't want it to be complicated or sound overwhelming. But if we just, again, think about being curious ourselves, mm-hmm. wondering what a food even is, like, well, what is a carrot? Let's talk about that. I guess it's a tuber, isn't it? What is even what is a tuber? I don't know. It's a kind of cool word. You know, if we start asking ourselves too, then we create um, a learning environment around food, I guess you could say, because they're not going to learn it anywhere else. Mm-hmm. We know what public school food is like. Right. Yeah. They're not going to learn about yummy food at school. We'll just put it that way. (laughs) So, so you mentioned the, like the adding the yogurt um, example and then her eating just yogurt eventually. Do you think that, you know, if we make something and they're just, I don't like it, do we offer them, I mean, a different meal or something else? Or is it, 
because I I try as much as I try like this is what we're all eating for dinner eat it or I mean that's your choice but then you also can't let them go hungry so what's your opinion on what to do yeah so this is a long answer too okay so first of all our our job as a as a parent Ellen Satter is this amazing woman who creates this what's called the division of responsibilities and our job is basically we decide what our family will be eating right? We, we decide what the meal is. Um, and we decide when we're going to be eating and we decide where we're going to be eating. Our children get to decide how much and what of the meal. So we're, we're deciding what, but they're also deciding what, Mm -hmm. right? So, and then how much to eat and, and they're listening to their bodies, hopefully. Um, or yeah, maybe they're being picky. So and every scenario is different. So I, I, there's no way I can answer this question in its entirety, right? Because every family has a different scenario going on. And then there's always, well, what if this and what if that? So in general, I think, Megan, you said this already. Offer When you're making a meal that you know your child's not going to like, what are the chances of them actually eating it? Mm-hmm. Right. I've done that before. I'm like, I'm just going to make it because I want it. They're probably not going to eat it. And they don't. And I'm like, shoot. (laughs) Sometimes they surprise me and they do. But what if you made a meal out of two thirds foods that you know your child will eat, even if it might not be in that form? Hmm. So for me, I might make, let's say we're doing burgers and fries. I might chop up a potato that I know my kid will eat, like a sweet potato. And then I might be like, I'm going to cut this beet up like a fry or this parsnip, which I don't even like, but let's try it anyway. Right. I eat them because it's exploratory. So now I've got three different colors of fries and my kids are like, what is that mom? That's not a fry. It is. It's a beet fry. Oh, a beet fry. Yeah. Remember the beet we picked up at the farmer's market? Find a familiarity. Just try it. Look, and then you eat it. You have to eat it. If you don't like it, they're not going to like it. So Mm -hmm. don't cook food you don't like, first of all. But then, you know, try it and then be like, oh, you know, cool. How about this dipping sauce? I got some whatever. Don't always serve ketchup to everything. But um, (laughs) some people do, and that's fine. If they're eating their vegetables with ketchup, it's fine as long as there's, you know, we we watch the ingredients. Um, But then, then you know they're going to eat the fry that they're always going to eat. So they're not going to go hungry. And what mm-hmm. if your burger is like, ooh, we're, we're going to have um, a veggie burger. I know my kids like black beans. So this is a black bean veggie burger that I got from the grocery store. And they're like, mom, I hate veggie burgers. This is what my son does. Mom, I hate veggie burgers. I'm like, well, you liked the last one. Oh yeah, that one was pretty good. Okay, let's try this one. This one's new. I haven't tried this one, but there's black beans in it and you like black beans. Mm. All right, I'll try it, mom. And maybe I'll cut the burger in half and let them just see it in a smaller amount rather than thinking they have to eat the whole thing, like being overwhelmed with something that they already don't think they're going to like. Right. And then on the burger goes things that I know they're going to like avocado or I put it on the side for some kids who like the things on the side. Um, Sliced tomatoes or if you're my kids, you only want tomatoes right off the tomato bush. (laughs) You know, my kids are picky, too. Right. So you serve the things that you know they're going to eat. And that way, if they decide I don't like the burger, mom, well, that's okay. Why don't you have some avocado on the bun if you're serving a bun? 
And I know you like tomatoes and you're going to eat all those fries. That's your dinner. That's dinner, yeah. right? They're not going to go to bed hungry. I have definitely um, sent my daughter to dinner, bed without dinner twice. She literally just didn't eat what I cooked, even though I knew she liked a lot of these things <laughs> in it, right? Mm -hmm. My mistake was I put it all in one bowl. It was like mm -hmm. a, um, you know, I think it was like a doll soup, which is like potatoes and carrots and red lentils and coconut cream, all these things that she would normally eat, but she didn't recognize it that way. And I couldn't even pull out chunks, right? Mm -hmm. It was kind of pureed. And I don't even think she liked the quinoa or rice or whatever I put it on. She doesn't like rice. My son likes rice. You know, so she literally flat out refused. And at that point, she didn't even want the yogurt that goes on the top as garnish, right? So I'm like, I am so sorry. I really don't have anything else. And I didn't. Mm -hmm. And I think I might have given her like the half a banana that I had left or whatever. Because I felt bad. I was like, I'm so sorry. I really thought you'd like this and that and the other. And she went to bed with like a banana in her stomach maybe. So I'm not going to go prepare a separate meal, but if I really like have a major mess up, I'm going to give her some food. Um, and I'm going to tell her, you know, and just not be pissed, not be like, you're such a bad kid or you're such a picky eater. Right. Mm -hmm. Cause now we're labeling their behavior and we don't mean that we just we're it's frustrating. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, so we can offset that that mistake by um, sometimes we just don't even think about it, right? It's like crap, I didn't even think about that. So we can offset that mistake if there's leftovers in the fridge and your child is really like hangry and you feel bad and you're bums and everyone else is happy and all of a sudden it's an episode at the table. You know, you can be like, you know what? I think we have some leftover whatever quesadilla or you know those leftover. Um, whatever fruit or veggie that they like, give them something wholesome, right? Because you don't want them to set up the, you don't want to set up the precedent that if they don't eat what you give them, they get cheesy crackers or something. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Still offer them, this is going back to whole foods, still offer them a whole food or something that's not a treat, mm -hmm. right? Um, and never reward. Oh, this is the forcing question. You guys see, we're totally going to go over an hour. We can stop anytime. Yeah. But like, um, this is the forcing question. Do not force. What are you teaching your children by that, right? And then just on the flip side of the cheerleader when they eat something, don't reward. If you eat this, then you can have that. Because mm -hmm. you're making them eat something that they don't want to eat in order to get something that's that they like. And... 99.99% of the time, that thing that they like is a sweet food, mm -hmm. right? Who doesn't like sweet foods? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Like our bodies are designed to like sweet food. That's another topic in itself. But um, yeah, there's yeah. enough sweet food in the world. And the, your children probably already had some during the day because we probably had some too, right? So. Um, there's a lot of research on rewards and when you reward your children with food, um, you're setting them up for not knowing their bodies. Mm -hmm. So this goes back to what we talked about a bit ago, Mickey, like I was not raised to know how food feels in my body. Right. Mm. Nobody talks about that. 
at least not when I was growing up. I don't really talk about that enough now because even I forget. Like you can't remember all this stuff in every moment. But we can go back to it when we're like, gosh, we really messed up at dinner. What went wrong? I forced my kid to eat the broccoli or the whatever. And we can notice again back to just why did I do that? I didn't mean to do that. I did that because it's a habit. I did that because that's what, you know, how I was raised or whatever. And what would I do differently? What would have been a better teaching moment? Yeah, I love that. I've I've been really into intuitive eating for my daughter, but thinking about it for myself, like I haven't even started to go there yet. Although I know that that would probably be something so important to do. And eventually it's on like a goal list of mine, but you know, just the whole thing about, oh, eat, you have to clear your plate so that you can have dessert. And then we're just teaching our kids, like you need to eat more than what your stomach really wants to eat just so you can have something that's less healthy for you. And, you know, you're probably too full anyway. And so I've just been working so hard to really, like, if she says she's done, but she only took three bites, asking her, like, are you sure you're done? Is your tummy full, you know, or, you know, trying to figure it out what's going on. But most of the time she'll say, yes, her tummy's full. Or on the flip side, like today, for example, she had a piece of hummus toast, a string cheese, two oranges, and she was crying for a banana. And I'm like, there's no way that this kid is still hungry. <laughs> I'm like, are you, is your tummy still hungry? Are you sure you want that banana? Or are you just bored? Like, let's wait a second and see if you're really still hungry. And she just I need a banana. I need a banana. So I ended up giving her the banana and then she was totally content. And so just really trying to listen to her cues to an extent, of course, but just listening to what she's telling me, you know, she'll let me know if she needs to eat and eat and eat, or if she can take a few bites and be full, just depending on what her body needs right now. For myself, I wish I could do that, but um, (laughs) I'm learning a lot with her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really beautiful. And remember that we all go through growth spurts. So I think one of the other damaging things about food in society is we forget that we have food cycles as adults. We can have them on a daily basis, on a monthly basis, especially for us women. And um, as we go through the aging process, we have different cravings when we're pregnant. We have different cravings when we're breastfeeding. We have different cravings when we're pissed. We have different cravings when we're anxious. When we're um, all these things, right? And when our bodies are shifting in different ways. So sometimes it's a mind thing. Sometimes it's a body thing. Sometimes it's the weather. Sometimes it's the holiday, right? There's so many things that provoke our cravings or our hunger, but there's not a lot that provokes our satiety, our sense of being full because we're not tuned into it. I remember doing a research paper once on children and eating, obviously. And I came across something that said, we stop being intuitive about food in our bodies around age six. Hmm. And what happens in our lives at age six? Big school. school, right? Now they're out of our home, out of daycare, out of grandma's house, the neighbor's house, places where we have a little bit more oversight on them usually, hopefully, maybe we're that lucky. Um, or at least a good relationship with all the people. And then obviously we want to have a good relationship with our teachers too. But in a lot of schools, 
they're told, obviously, this is when you eat. Now you eat a snack. Now you eat your lunch. And this is what lunch is being served. This is how much time you have to eat it. School settings are not designed for intuitive eating. No. <laughs> Sorry. They're just not because we no. didn't, that's not why they were created. They were created for a learning environment. So again, if we can teach at home about intuitive tuning in, you can call it intuitive eating, but just literally just tuning in and cultivating a relationship with whole foods and finding out what are our food values. I don't care if we eat fast food, as long as we're sitting down together and enjoying a positive conversation over a meal, that's a food value, right? Yeah. So if we're cultivating that at home, then more likely they will be able to be more attuned in at school. Um, gosh, what were you asking, Megan, about – what did I miss? You said something that um, – I wanted to say about intuitive eating. Oh yeah. As if your child is still hungry, definitely keep feeding them. And then if your child's not hungry, ask yourself, why is my child not hungry? Is it, maybe it's a growth spurt. Maybe you don't have an answer. Maybe they just ate, mm -hmm. right? Don't feed your kid a meal before dinner or they're not going right. to eat dinner. Right. A lot of people <laughs> do that. Or, you know, I always say, oh my gosh, you know, dinner's going to be ready soon. Maybe you could start with some water. But water's not food. Water doesn't fill me up. Water just makes me pee. I'm like, well, you can have water. We're eating in 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. Or you're preparing food and you're like, oh, here, have a bite of this. This is what we're eating. Give them a couple of bites. Oh, look what you just did. You scoop them into the meal. They're seeing, what, mom, what are you making? Oh, remember that, I don't know, kale or garlic or whatever that we bought at the market? the farmer's market or the grocery store or whatever, or we picked it from our garden, wherever you get it, like remind them of the process. That's what this is. Oh, and I'm going to chop it up and I'm going to pull the rib off the rail, the, um, the kale, and I'm going to peel the garlic. Do you want to peel the garlic or do you want to pluck the leaves off the cilantro? Right. And then we're not telling them not to remember that they're hungry, but you can say here, try this thing that I'm cooking or, you know, he, you see what I'm going with, with this? It's like, you don't want to feed them something else if you're about to eat, mm -hmm. but we do want to be sensitive to their intuition because what if dinner's an hour later than it's supposed to be, right? Um, but we still want to sit down and eat together. So you can play with what that feels like for you. But again, um, if they're not hungry, don't force them to continue eating. If they don't want what you're giving them, Ask them why. And, and maybe, oh, are you not hungry? Oh, did you just eat? Oh, yeah. Remember, mom, I didn't have time to eat lunch. And then I went straight to practice. And then I ate my lunch at 4.30. Okay. Um, well, you might not be that hungry then. Well, have a little bit of dinner. How much do you think you want? You know, you can serve yourself. So then we get to, like, investigate versus dictate. It's just all a bunch of communication and questions mm -hmm. with your children about, I mean, that just, it seems so self-explanatory, but it's really, I mean, I would have never thought to have like such detailed conversations and ask so many questions revolving food. So yeah, isn't it funny? Cause we do it with everything else and we often don't do it till our kids are in yeah. school or interested in an activity, right? Like, Oh, yeah. you like skateboarding. Then you go to the skate park, but how much do you really talk about skateboarding? You know, only if you like it too, right? So we don't all love food and we don't all love cooking. We don't all even love eating, 
or we don't, you know, there's so many things again, like Mickey said, it's so personal. So I'm telling you things that I see are working, but there's so many more things that could be working for you. Um, but the, the gist is what's not working and investigate why. Love that. Yeah. Also, I, I mean, I feel like we could just keep you on here and talk to you all night. There's so much, like Megan said, it's so, it seems like so simple, but there's so much to it. And I think there's just a lot of pressure on parents too, because we know the values and the habits that we help them create now are going to carry on for the rest of their lives. And that's a lot of pressure to put on us for sure. It is, but you're not going to screw up. I mean, here's the thing. We're parents and we're human and your parents fed you a certain way. And isn't our whole adult life all about figuring out how we're different than our parents raised us to be kind of in a way like, you know, we're, we do the best we can and everyone has a different focus and all parents have different ways. And um, if, if food is an issue for you, then investigate that because we don't we know probably as moms like I don't really want it to be an issue for my kiddos so that might be your work but if food if your child is picky but you're not that might be your work right um so for whoever's listening and feels overwhelmed maybe the first step is just like what is important to you about food as an individual, and then what is important for you in raising your children around food and see if those two ideas align. And if they do come up with one or two ways, maybe something you heard us talk about tonight that you can try to see how it feels. And I think that's an interesting thing about intuitive eating too, because there's another concept about intuitive parenting. Mm -hmm. right we are not we're like oh, did, did I do this right we're always judging and criticizing ourselves about what we're doing if it's right or wrong and that's subjective right everything I'm saying here you know you could have some other nutritionist not agreeing with me at all mm -hmm. right or some other mom that says I've tried that a million times it doesn't work so in my practice and in my work and in my family and in, I've taught lots of schools. I've taught lots of different scenarios and different ages, but I don't know everything, right? Talk to your friends. Did this work for you? What are you doing when your kids do that? Um, and your friends may not have all the answers if they have their own eating issues, but maybe you invite them to be curious about their eating issues, you know, things they can explore. So I think it needs to be a bigger conversation in general. Um, but Let's have fun with it and not put too much pressure on ourselves and talk about if you have a partner, a husband or uh, some, uh, another partner in your life, a grandparent, um, a wife, whatever, like find someone that you trust in your family to have this conversation with mm -hmm. and not that someone you feel vulnerable with that you don't have to worry about saying the wrong thing, right? And just explore it together because when you can be on the same page, it actually makes everything easier because you can be at the dinner table and you'd be like, Megan, don't, that's one, you know, put, put, put your hand on me when I cheerlead too much or mm -hmm. let's have a clue. Or if the, if the conversation goes down 
the rabbit hole of negativity and you want a positive eating environment, the other parent maybe or the other grandparent or partner or older child can rein you back in and be like, mom, you said no negative talk at the table. Yeah. Oh yeah, thank you, you're right. Yeah. Right? You know, so yeah. get people on board and don't put too much pressure on yourself and just try to have fun, just seriously. Like food should be fun. It's not fun for a lot of moms. It is so not fun for a lot of moms. When we scoop our kids up and start exploring with our sensory organs, our eyes, our ears, our nose, our hands, our mouth, like it becomes more fun. Think about it in the eyes of a child. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's hard. I don't want it to, I don't want it to be complicated or overwhelming. I just yeah. want everyone to feel like there's one thing or two things to think about to shift, you know? Yeah. I think that's perfect. And I mean, this whole, whole subject is complicated, and overwhelming, and we could talk about it I mean, there's so much more that we wanted to talk with you about that we just don't have time to get to. But what we did cover, I feel like, is so valuable and so helpful. I mean, even just having your kid participate in the kitchen with you, like that get you know where they are, you know they're safe, and you're getting stuff done. Like that's a huge help right there. Um, so thank you for all of your insight. Thank you for just, you know, letting us pick your brain about this. Before we move on to our next segment, we want to wrap up the questions. We just have one more question for you that we like to ask all of our guests. And so that is, if you could share one piece of advice on how to balance being a mom and a boss lady, what would it be? Mm, um, boundaries, finding boundaries. And my boundaries also are spatial. So mm. my office is a separate space. Well, unless I'm doing a cooking thing and I'm taking <laughs> pictures, I mean, this is the thing, right? Like for me, my phone is a piece of work. It's, to, it's a tool. Mm -hmm. So I have to have it in the kitchen sometimes. I hate that I do, but I do. Um, but my kids know that. We converse about it. But having my own desk space that's my space, which most of us moms don't, we're sharing the space with mm -hmm. something else or someone else, or it's our bedroom or it's somewhere that doesn't feel like a workspace. And then creating um, certain times when I get to be in that space. Mm. And I can let my kids come in, right? But I don't, I wouldn't schedule a call like this when I know my kids are around, right? So just knowing my boundaries with my kids and then knowing my boundaries with my clients. I do not work on the weekends, period. You can text me, but I won't respond. Yeah. Uh, if it's an emergency, you call your doctor. That's one of the benefits of not being a doctor. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, but so finding the boundaries that work for me and then having the flexibility. If I know that my kids are home and I have to do this project, I put myself in the mind space of they're probably going to interrupt me multiple times. Let me set them up on a project they enjoy. And if they interrupt me, stop what I'm doing and look at them, you know, know that I want them to see me work. I think it's important that I don't do everything while they're at school or with their dad. I want them to see that I'm a working mom. I think that's important, but I also want them to see that I'm not always a working mom. Mm -hmm. Right. So yeah, boundaries are hard. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm, we I'm working on it. It's still, it's a work in progress. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Always. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> awesome. All right. Well, that brings us to our last segment. So um, life is full of those hot mess moments and we've all been there. Do you have a hot mess moment that you'd like to share with everyone? Yeah, this is really funny because um, I use the word hot mess a lot and <laughs> my ex-husband would be like, oh, I could name like 150 of them. <laughs> I, I, I tend toward being a hot mess because I like to do, I have a lot. I do a lot. Um, but yeah, I have a lot of hot mess moments. Um, one that I think is relevant to food, you guys, is one that I want to share because it came up when you first asked me. And my hot mess moment was doing exactly what I didn't want to do in front of my children and a lot of people. Oh, no. <laughs> yes. So it was my son's first skateboard tournament. And my brother-in-law, who um, he and I butt heads because we are quite a lot alike, very opinionated. And um, he was in town visiting and it was going great so far. And we're at the skateboard tournament and we're like, we need to have lunch. Like we have to come back. So we go get lunch. I think I sent my husband at the time to go get lunch and he comes back with um, V8 juice. And I was like, what are you doing buying this? And my son was like three, you guys, or four. He was into skateboarding very early. And I look at the back and it, the first ingredient is high fructose corn syrup. I'm like, oh, I cannot serve this to him. And meanwhile, my son got to pick it out. Oh, no. oh. Yeah. And I made this big to do in front of him and my husband at the time and his brother and all these people at the skate park watching this. And I'm like, super embarrassed for myself. I'm embarrassed because I embarrassed everyone else I was with. And my son is crying because he can't have Oh, no. I think it was corn syrup. And I didn't even know how to recover. Like, I, I could not give him this drink. And so I threw it in the garbage. And my husband was livid. And my son was crying. And I had to go get it out of the garbage. Oh, my gosh. You did. <laughs> Do you guys know what they put in a garbage can in the skate park? I don't even want to know. It's not pretty. So... I am like apologizing. It's hot. I'm embarrassed. My son's freaking out. He did. <laughs> I mean, and I let him have, and I said, you can have, and I wiped off the top that hadn't even been open, And I said, you can have a couple of sips of this, but it's not going to help you become a better skateboarder. And I even said, I even related it to his performance, which probably wasn't a good idea at the <laughs> time either, but I just kept going down the route. I mean, it was one thing after the next. So, um, <laughs> I felt like a hot mess then, and I absolutely regret that moment, but it was a learning experience, right? Like a lot of hot mess moments if you stop and think about them. And a great story. I mean, yeah. I feel like that's something I would totally do. So, Yeah. So oh, man. it, was, I love it was embarrassing to say oh, the least. Gosh. Well, thank you for sharing that because- You're welcome. We all need a good laugh sometimes <laughs> at our guest's expense. <laughs> Absolutely. So we share can't our laugh at ourselves, yeah. then, oh my gosh, we, <laughs> then we really are too busy, right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so, so much for coming on. This has been such a fun and informative conversation. You were just like an absolute treat to talk to. We appreciate you so, so much taking the time to come on here and enlighten us with all of your knowledge so thank you thank you thank you 
You're so welcome and thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure for me as well. And I hope that something I said was inspiring and um, that we're all in this together, right? So it's a good conversation to have. Yes. Well, before we let you go, um, tell us where people can find you and how they can support your business. Oh, thank you. My website is jamietruppinutrition.com and that's J-A-M-I-E-T-R-U-P-P-I. And I have a few offerings right now. Um, I'm revamping. I'm, I'm offering meal plans at really affordable rates that will help moms be more productive and come up with some inspiring ideas in the kitchen that are all family friendly. And then I do some one-on-one -on -one meal planning sessions where we talk about food values, right? Um, so it's one-on-one -on -one with a family. So we get all the family involved. Um, I love doing those. And then I've got a group program coming up pretty soon um, that's all about moms putting themselves first so that we are not so frantic and stressed in these situations. We, we're taking care of our needs. Um, it's not all nutrition because that's only one piece of the puzzle. So yeah. And then if you want to join my, um, conscious food community, Facebook page, I think you guys have the link to that also. And I share lots of fun tips and ideas and we can have more of these conversations together on that thread. So it's a fun, it's a fun community group. Wonderful. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you again. Make sure you guys go check her out and we will see you all next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to Boss Ladies and Babies. If you like this episode, be sure to rate, review, and leave us some feedback. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook and join the conversation in our Facebook group at Boss Ladies and Babies. And until next time, stay, stay bossy. bossy.